Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Parklawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. I don't know if we really are comprehending everything because there's a lot going on right now. There's, there's, there's been change and we're in the midst of transition and sometimes in the midst of all of that, there's so many moving pieces that, that, we, don't, that we don't really um, appreciate the move of God. Uh, nobody really likes change except a wet baby anyway, so uh, most of us are probably still in our feelings about the change, but I want you to and even through the message today, I want God to, uh, to just give us a revelation of what he's really doing. He's doing something that is bigger than just myself and, and Pastor Marcus. This is about his people. God is not just moving me into, a, the, into the level of apostolic ministry and oversight on the national and local level. He's not just moving... Pastor Marcus into pastoral leadership at Parklawn. He's moving his people. He's moving us. He's moving you. Last month, we were focusing on the theme of the crossover. We're about to cross over. <laughs> Y'all remember that? It's not just about us crossing over. We are about to cross over. God wants to do something in you. What we just experienced in, in the testimony of the students that went to Mardi Gras and our School of Urban Ministry, our SUM, MKE students, is a testimony of that. Because for all too often, we've heard about the five-fold ministry offices, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And we simply thought that that's a person. And it is, but it's much more than a person. It's a grace that God wants to put upon his people. He wants an apostolic people. He wants a prophetic people. He wants an evangelistic people. He wants a people who are in-depth in teaching the word of God. He wants a, a house full of pastors, shepherds. Pastor Marcus has given us an assignment as a church to, to focus on being heroes of a different kind. If you were here last week, you heard me introduce this message that what the world is looking for and what God has created us to be is a church of a different kind. We are God's strategy to win. We are God's strategy to redeem creation. We are God's strategy to bring people out of darkness into his light. There's no other strategy he has. It's us. 
gave it to Jesus and Jesus gave it to us. It's called a commission, a great commission. And I want to I go a little bit deeper this morning into the five-fold ministry, but I want to focus uh, also upon governmental offices. And may God help us all to just embrace our position in the body of Christ. Let's begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 through 28. The NIV version of the Bible says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Let me just stop right there. Didn't I say he's talking to all of us? Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. That means that you have a responsibility. You have a function. You have a purpose. You have a role that is vital if the body is going to operate and is going to thrive, if the body is going to grow, if the body is going to be effective, you've got to fill your role. Each one of you is a part of it. Verse 28, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, gifts of helping, gifts of guidance, and different kinds of tongues. I want to take my time and, and deal with the five functions, five graces of the body of Christ, but I want to begin by just talking about the pastor The celebration that's coming up in April is, uh, is a recognition of 28 years as a pastor. And uh, it's, it's caused me to, this season has caused me to kind of think back over the years. Yesterday, my wife and I were at a basketball game, and we saw a, a husband and wife who formerly were at Park Lawn, and the husband said, I remember when you first came to the church. I said, wow, yeah, that's 28 years ago. And I remembered him. Uh, I remember in the course, I'm starting to, to, uh, to have flashbacks as I'm, I'm purging some papers in my office and I'm pulling out various obituaries and wedding announcements and counseling notes. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, man, 28 years ago, I remember, I remember uh, over probably a two, two decades ago going into a crack house, rescuing one of our men. That's a pastor. <laughs> I remember marrying Michael and Vanessa Simmons. Michael's here today. His wife, Vanessa, is in home hospice, and she's battling with cancer, asking for the church to pray for her. If God doesn't heal her on this side of life, she's going to have victory on the other side. Psalm 78 has really become a, a core theme of my life. Psalm 78, verses 70 through 72, is really my favorite scripture. It's a, it's a missional scripture, and, and it says that God chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep. He brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with the integrity of his heart, with skillfulness of hands, he led them. Shepherds guide, shepherds nurture, shepherds protect the sheep, they care for the sheep, they take time with the sheep, they visit the sheep. 
They feed the sheep. And when necessary, they even whoop the sheep. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. <laughs> Some of y'all kids need a little bit of comfort every now and then. Say, Come here, baby, let me comfort you. I told you don't, don't, don't grab that, but you did anyway. We have to recognize that this is not just about a person. If we expect this man to be the only shepherd in this house, and when somebody is sick or somebody's in hospice or somebody that needs counseling or somebody that needs to get married or somebody that needs to get buried or somebody that needs to get baptized, where is he? How come he's not here? He's only one person. It's not about one person. It's about a body walking in a pastoral anointing. All of us here today have that responsibility. Some of you have been here long enough to remember when we introduced lighthouse cell groups back in the 1990s. Change. People felt about that change the same way they feel about this change. Why do we do that? Because we recognize that God wants us to be a house full of pastors. I used to... Um, I used to present an outline of my Sunday sermon to our Lighthouse cell leaders so that they can take that same message and they could break it down in small groups within the homes that they were meeting in on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. You know what I recognized? Small group leaders, whether we call them life group leaders or Lighthouse cell group leaders, EHS classes, those leaders are pastors. My son, who leads the media ministry, has a, has a team of people. You know what he's doing? He's pastoring them. Who's coordinating the ushers? You're pastoring them. Who's coordinating the men's ministry? You're a pastor of the men's ministry. Women's ministry, you're pastoring women. You might not have the title, but your function is that you are pastoring a small group of people. Whether it's task-focused or it's, it's care-focused. One of the great things about this shift that I'm really excited about is that as God and this church allows me to shift and to be sent up and out, it then allows for more room for more pastors. So now we have over a dozen commissioned ministers who can help care for and pastor the church. It's not just one person. Moses was a pastor to over three million people. Until his father Jethro said, what you're doing is not good. It sounds good. You got a church of three million people, but what you're doing is not good. You're going to wear yourself out and you're going to frustrate the people. So you need to divide your responsibility up. Find people who are capable, who are able, who are faithful, who are loyal, who are submitted, and make them captains. Some who have an ability to captain thousands, some over hundreds, some over fifties, and some over tens. You need more pastors. 
And Moses did that. He did what they did in the church of Acts in Acts chapter 6 when the apostles recognized there was a problem in the church because there were certain widows who were not having their needs met. And the apostles said, it's not right for us to leave our responsibility of prayer and the word to wait on table. So you appoint deacons who will care for the needs of the flock and we'll give ourselves to the ministry of the word and prayer. We need pastors. We need teachers. We need evangelists. Most of us are here today because something drew us to Christ. Of course, it was the Holy Spirit that draws us to Christ, but there was somebody who spoke a word in your heart. There was somebody who lived a life that was so attractive that you wanted to be a part of it. <laughs> I've had the privilege of, in my 41 years of salvation, of, of being a part of only three churches. That's so uncommon today because people, they have a church for Monday, they have a church for Saturday, they got another church for Sunday. <laughs> Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Some folk ain't here today because they had somebody else's church, and that's all good, but it's the spirit that's drawing them. But the first church that I was a part of, the, the man who led me to Christ, who prayed the sinner's prayer with me in my living room when I was 19 years old, he was called pastor, but he was really an evangelist. Because when I became a part of his church, I think I got saved like every Sunday after I got saved. <laughs> I mean, his altar calls were so strong and the messages were so heavy about salvation. I felt like maybe, you know what, I did watch that TV show. I need to go and get saved again. He was an evangelist. He was always drawing people to the presence of God. We call people pastor but they might be an apostle. We call them pastor, but they might be an evangelist. They might be a prophet. And there are some that have multiple graces upon their life. But I want us to understand that the evangelist is, is in the role of casting a big net. And you draw all kind of fish into the net. The evangelist has a life that is so attractive and, and, and uh, it, just, it just has a grace upon it for the multitudes. And all kind of fish get caught in the net. The kind of fish that you can eat and the kind of fish you don't want to eat. But then the evangelist turns them over to a pastor and to teachers. Because the pastor is going to be there to love them and nurture and care for them and protect them. And the teacher is going to be there to instill within them a foundation for their faith. So the first step of salvation is that elementary faith that the evangelist taps into. Without, without faith, we can't please God, and it's by grace through faith that we're saved. But we need a pastor and a teacher once you get saved because you've got habits and you have addictions and you still have old relationships and old mindsets that still hang on to us. And it's the pastor and the teacher that's going to help us by the grace of God to continue to grow in our relationship with Christ. Does that make sense? Teachers have a, a supernatural grace to make crystal clear and to bring revelation from heaven and to give instruction, to give an illuminating uh, uh, aspect to the truth of the word of God to expand upon the things that you don't know and that you don't understand. David said, Lord, you teach my hands to war and my fingers to do battle. It's what God wants. He wants a people who have a, a grace upon them that has been released because of the teacher. 
teachers can be deep sometimes. Whenever we give Elder uh, Kern Reed the microphone on a Sunday morning, you might as well just bring your lunch with you. I'm telling you, bring some crackers or some juice boxes or you're going to be here a while. I'm just <laughs> but I'm telling you, when you leave, Elder Kern, I'll tell you, every time that you teach, there are people that say, I understand the word of God. Who is that bald head, light-skinned man? He teaches the word of God. One of the things that we're going to do at the end of this message, I'm, call, I'm calling forth uh, just some that I know who have a grace upon their lives. Elder Kern's going to come. We're going to activate teachers, the grace of teaching upon this church. Pastor Bill Sanders is here, formerly uh, a youth pastor, formerly associate pastor, formerly a senior pastor who's back a part of the family of God. We're going to activate the church full of pastors. One of our other uh, men who is here, is here, I believe, uh, is an evangelist. He's going to come and we're going to activate the evangelistic grace upon the church. The pastor prophet of this house is going to release an activation of the prophetic grace so that there is a prophetic people that are tuned into the frequency of heaven that hear the voice of God and then speak and proclaim what thus saith the Lord. But we need an apostolic and a prophetic grace as well. Apostles lay a foundation. Apostles are builders. That's what God has shifted, shifted me into. It began uh, probably, I recognized it probably six years ago when I was affirmed as an apostle and consecrated as a bishop. It's a foundation laying grace. And sometimes we don't see the apostle for who they are. We mischaracterize them. We misunderstand them. I shared last week that there are some modern-day apostles like Bill... Um, What's it? Mark Zuckerberg has laid a foundation on this information highway. He's, he's overlaid Facebook on top of the, the World Wide Web now that 7 billion people can be connected to one another just through the click of a mouse. That's a railroad track. That's a foundation through which the gospel can, can travel. Y'all remember the story of John Henry laying the track? John Henry was, was going against the, uh, the, the machine. That's what an apostle does. They lay a track. They lay a foundation. They lay a road so that the gospel can go through. They go through territories that no one else has gone before. Prophets then are necessary because as, as apostles are building, the prophets need to be the one who tells the apostle when to build and where to build. So there has to be a mutual submission of the fivefold graces in the body of Christ. Even though 1 Corinthians 12, 28 tells us that God has first set in the body of Christ the office and the government of the apostle, secondly, prophets, thirdly, teachers. It doesn't mention pastors and, evangel and, and uh, evangelists. But the word first means proton. It means first in order and first in rank. And so you have to have a foundation if you're going to build. God has created us to be a strategy in order to win, so we need one another. The prophets tell the apostle when and where to build. There's many times that I submit uh, ideas and things to Pastor Marcus and says, this is what I feel the Lord is telling me to do, but I'm waiting on you to tap into that frequency and tell me when and where. 
And as we build it, the evangelists will draw people to what was built. And as the people come in, drawn by what was built, the pastors and the teachers will bring about a sense of community and create systems and order and structure so that the people can grow. But apostles are foundation layers. Jesus was an apostle. The word apostle means a sent one, one that is sent out. I kind of feel like I'm, I'm going to be like, uh, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He said, I'll be back. I'm being sent out, but I'm not really going anywhere. You're going to see me on Easter Sunday. I thought Bishop said he was going somewhere. Didn't we just celebrate his birthday, his 28th year? But he's here on next Sunday. What, what's going on? I thought he was leaving. This is strange. I'm telling you, don't miss this. It's a shift that's not just about us, but it's about the body of Christ. We need this grace of the apostle. I don't know if you all know the name Craig Rochelle. Craig Rochelle is a multi-site pastor in Oklahoma City. It's the largest church in America. It's a church of about 100,000 people. How do you do that? With an apostolic anointing? With a church full of pastors? With the people who have a who have an evangelistic grace upon their life? Pastor Marcus has some, some word in his spirit now called the go culture. That's an evangelistic grace upon the house where everybody is seeking to go, that, that we're not just sending SUM students and they bring back reports of 8,000 people prayed for and 400-some people saved and 37 baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you coming back on Sunday saying, let me tell you what God did for me this past week. <laughs> let me tell you how many people I led to the Lord. Let me, let me introduce you to my friend that I'm bringing to church. That's a gold culture. That's an evangelistic grace. But Craig Rochelle has this multi-site model. He has campuses all over the country, all over Oklahoma. Some of them are video venue where there's this big screen and he's preaching in Oklahoma City, but the screen comes on after worship and welcome and the announcements and the offering and it looks like you're there with him live. It's an apostolic grace, but he has a partner in his ministry whom I've met at the, at the uh, general council. I don't know if you were in that meeting in Orlando last week, last year, but his partner, his first name is Bobby, created the, the app called YouVersion. You ever heard the Bible app, YouVersion? He created that. That's an apostolic grace that God is overlaying upon the body of Christ. We got to stop thinking that the apostle is somebody that wears a collar and a robe and preaches behind. Listen, God wants to release an apostolic grace upon you in the marketplace. This man has created this Bible app that billions of people are using all over the world. For Dr. Fred Price was probably one of the first apostles that was recognized in the body of Christ. Y'all know Fred Price in California? When everybody else was hooping and hollering and you know, and, and tuning up and waving hankies. Fred Price just came with a, with a three-piece suit on and a, and a cool afro and just began teaching the word of God and building the body of Christ apostolically. These are entrepreneurs that lay an infrastructure. They lay a road for the gospel to go forth. Jesus called 12 apostles. 
Not 12 pastors, not 12 evangelists, not 12 um, uh, prophets, but apostles. Why? These were men who were from the marketplace, and there was an overlay of grace upon their life to build, to go into difficult places. Paul even had a doctor on his apostolic team by the name of Luke. Somebody from the marketplace. One of the prophets, modern-day prophets today, is her name is Cindy Jacobs. She leads a ministry called Generals of Intercession. And she, she identifies the seven mountains of societal influence. In 1975, Dr. Bill Bright, who was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, he developed a God-given, world-changing strategy to change the nation and to reach its seven spheres or seven mountains of societal influence. And he identified them as number one, religion. Every society has some type of belief in a superior being or beings. In the East, religions tend to be polytheistic, which means many gods. Or they're outright idolatrous, such as Hinduism and Buddhism. Although these religions are thousands of years old, they nonetheless continue to thrive today. And in the West, Christianity and Catholicism are predominant. But postmodern views are increasingly being accepted and the concept of God is being rejected. We heard that in the testimony this morning from Sister Benitra. People today in this postmodern, it's a post-Christian era. In other words, it's, it's, we're beyond the time where people go to church because they're supposed to go to church. Because, Mama, that's what we do. We're in a postmodern, a post-Christian era where people are rejecting God. They're in that why culture. They're asking why. Not just because I told you so. The Christian church described in the Greek language is the word ekklesia which literally means a governing body. And so what God's wanting to do, he wants to reclaim godly influence and authority in the first mountain of society, which is, this, which is the a realm of influence in religion. Number two is family. In any functioning society, the family is the building block of the community. Throughout the Bible, we find family examples that portray how we ought to live our lives today. God is overlaying again a grace upon his church to reclaim influence in the family. Let me just mess with some of y'all this morning, and I don't care. Because the definition of marriage between one man and one woman is God's DNA. It's God's idea. It's God's design. Now, we, we have a society which doesn't agree with that. And so what are we as believers going to do? Are we going to lay our weapons down for the sake of political partisism and embrace a, a theology and a doctrine that is anti-God? No, we're going to stand on the mountain of the family and say we're staking a claim, putting the flag of Jesus Christ right here. When it comes to homosexuality, God loves the person. Christ died for the sin. It's something that God wants to deliver you from. 
Sin is sin, just like he delivered me from eating too many sweets. He can deliver you from homosexuality. And I'm, I'm speaking in the, in, the, in, the, in the vernacular of, I'm still being sanctified from uh, being delivered of sweets. Amen. Just like some of you all are still being delivered from your issues. But homosexuality is an issue of the family. Pornography is another negative impact upon the, upon the family. And so as the body of Christ, we've got to stake, put the, stake, the flag of Jesus Christ on this mountain of the family and reclaim it for him. I got a few amens, but y'all still, I still love you. Third mountain is education. At one time, the educational system of America unapologetically incorporated the Bible, prayer to the God of the Bible, biblical values in every aspect of school life. Some of this is foreign to us, right? We've, we've, been, we've been so indoctrinated in the postmodern culture that it even sounds strange to even hear this across the pulpit. Now the children of our nation are inundated with liberal ideologies, atheistic teaching, and postmodern principles in our public schools and in most universities, including many Christian universities. But put simply, they're being indoctrinated with often false, biased, and anti-biblical information. We need to reintroduce biblical truth and a Bible-centric value that is the key to renewal and restoration of the American family, American religion, and American education. The fourth mountain is government. Proverbs 14 and 34 says that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is reproached to any people. Many times this is exemplified in the Old Testament. A nation's moral standards are dependent on those exhibited by its leaders. We need leaders that are going to be able to live according to these standards. <laughs> While each individual is responsible for his or her own sins, the fact remains that people are greatly influenced by those morals that their popular leaders adopt. So we must see a shift in this arena in order to preserve the Christian heritage that America was founded upon. The goal is to put in place righteous political leaders that will positively affect all aspects of government. Number five is media. The media mountain includes news sources, TV, radio, newspapers, internet, opinion blogs, social media. The media has the potential to sway popular opinion on current issues based upon its reporting, which is not always truthful or accurate. But I thought everything that we read on the internet was true. <laughs> no, and everything you hear on TV or reading the paper or the magazine is not true either. There's been a rise in Christian news services, which is needed. However, to bring transformation to the mountain of media, Christians who are gifted for and called into this type of work must be willing to report righteously and truthfully in the secular marketplace. You all get ready to be activated. Get ready to be activated. Six is arts and entertainment. In this mountain, we find some of the most influential forces shaping our society. Music, filmmaking, television, social media, the performing arts, sports, anything that has to deal with culture and our taste particularly as it impacts our youth. We rely heavily upon the strong appeal of sex, drugs, and alcohol, 
the arts and entertainment industry wields significant influence and the body of Christ needs powerful, righteous men and women who are not afraid to take their God-given talent into the arts and the entertainment arenas. And number seven is business. The ability to literally create wealth through ingenuity, through enterprise, through creativity, and through effort is a God-given gift and it's a universal impulse. Listen, if you can solve a problem, you will never be without income and never be without people putting a demand on your life if you're a problem solver. Just look at Daniel. Look at, look at Joseph. They, were, they had in the grace and in the ability to solve problems. And Potiphar saw that God was with Joseph and said, I need to keep him in my house. The markets and economic systems that emerge whenever people are free to pursue buying and selling become the lifeblood of a nation. This includes anything from farms to small businesses to large corporations. And we believe it's the Lord's will to make his people prosperous and that he desires for his church to use its wealth to finance the work of kingdom expansion. Simply put, prosperity is a must. God wants us to prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. What is God doing in our, in our season today at Park Lawn? I began saying, God, open up our eyes. I want you to see Mark 2 and 22. God has given us a new wine skin because he wants to put new wine in it. Jesus said, no one pours new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wine skins will be ruined. But no, they pour new wine into new wine skins. Who? Those of you that have experienced conception, women that have become pregnant, you know that your body goes through changes as it prepares to carry, to birth, and to nurture your child or your children. There's a particular part of a woman's body that goes through a change that I believe relates, God gave me this picture, it relates to the apostolic. And it relates to what he's doing in our church. And the part of her body that goes through a change are her breasts. A mother's milk naturally begins to fill her breast after birth. And it does that so she can sustain the child that she bore. I read somewhere that the breasts start making milk about two to, day, two to five days after the baby is born. Before that, they make cholesterol, which contains important nutrients that your baby needs right after birth. It's normal for her breast to feel heavy, to feel warm, to feel swollen when the milk comes in. The same thing happens in the, in the shifting of a church where there's an apostolic grace. Starts feeling heavy. Starts feeling oh, swollen. Like it's too tight in here. <laughs> there needs to be a release. And, and when the child is born, the child naturally yearns for the milk of the mother. And apostles have a milk in their breast in the spirit. That I believe that the church has been hungering for and thirsting for 
But there's this, this mutual attraction and mutual benefit. The apostles are producing the milk, but if the children aren't hungry for it, and if the children are hungry but there's no apostle to provide the milk, there's no growth. And I just, I just discern right now that, that there's some swollen breasts in this place today. God wants to release a supernatural DNA of power. He wants to release his people in the five-fold functions and the five-fold graces. And so he's saying to the church what Isaiah said in Isaiah 52. He says, awake, awake, Zion, and put on your strength. Put on your garments of splendor. God wants to see a church that are heroes of a different kind. And the world is longing for the manifestation of the sons of God. I want Dwayne, Kern, Bill, Pastor Marcus, come and join me up on the stage right now. As they're coming, church, I want you just just bow your heads, just begin praying right now. Musicians, just come back and play something, create an atmosphere. The scripture says that deep is calling unto deep. Deep is calling unto deep. I know that in this season of the crossover, in this season where the word is going forth about the shift to fivefold grace, that there are many of you that, are, that have been sitting, many of you that have, that have received the word of God, you received the teaching, you received the, the, the anointing that's in this house, and you're saying, Lord, I'm ready. I'm just, I, just, I just need to know how to get in. I just need to know how to shift. I just need to know what my place is in the body of Christ. I need to know what my function is in, in the local church. I need to know how you've graced me in the marketplace outside the walls of the church. Hallelujah. And I thank you right now, Father, that, that a foundation has been laid in this house. I thank you, Lord, that you said that you are building your house and that the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. Hallelujah, God. And thank you that the, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophet. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You are our chief apostle. And Lord, as you called your apostles, I thank you today that you are you're calling forth for apostles in this house, God. Apostles in the marketplace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those of you that just, just sense and believe that God has anointed you in the marketplace, he's anointed you in the, in the, in the mountains of business, in the mountains of government, I'm going to invite you to stand right now. I want to pray a release and a blessing upon you. And then each of these uh, leaders are going to begin to call forth for others in their respective areas of grace. But those of you that have an apostolic entrepreneurial anointing, whether it's in religion, it's in ministry, or if it's in the marketplace, or if it's in the municipality of government, know that God has called you to be a foundation leader. What does that mean? That means that somebody's relying upon you for their paycheck. That means that somebody's relying upon you for decisions to be made. That you have influence in the, in the mountains of society. And Father, I thank you right now for a release from heaven. I thank you for open heavens over the men and women of God that are in this house today.
Hallelujah, God. I thank you that, that they have heard the voice of God and, and it seems like it was crazy to many. But Lord, it wasn't crazy. It was you who were, who were calling them out, calling them to go into the deep, deep places, calling them to go into the uncharted waters, calling them to go where no one had ever gone before. And Father, I thank you that you have shown yourself faithful and you have met them in those places. And Lord, I decree right now a supernatural outpouring of resources to be put into their hands. You've called us to be kings and to be prophets, to, keep, to be a, a priestly people. And God, so even in the marketplace, the grace of God is upon us right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please remain standing. Pastor Bill, call forth for pastors. find yourself caring about people, seeing people, people's best, looking past their worst. God is raising you up to be a pastor, to lead people, to care about them, to love them, see the best in them when everybody else seems, seems to see the worst. If that's you, why don't you stand this morning? It may not be a position up here on the church, but it may be in your cubicle. I found that out six years ago. I went to Atlanta. My church plant wasn't doing very well. I started pastoring the people at the post office. We saw people getting delivered, getting saved getting baptized, getting back into their churches. I was still pastoring. I just wasn't pastoring my church. I was pastoring people into their churches. God is raising you up wherever you are. He's going to use you to do something significant for the kingdom of God. Father, right now, we thank you for the calling that is upon our life whether it be here in the church or whether it be in the marketplace, whether it be in our community, the Boys and Girls Club, or at the bank. God, you have called us for such a time as this. Lord, we may be the first connection that people have to a church. We may be the first pastor that they meet in our journey with you, Lord. Lord, I pray today for an anointing upon each and every one of us that our anointing would be beyond these four walls. Our anointing would be to, to lead people to you, God, to point people to you, to walk them through the difficult times, to see them through the worst of times, to care about them when no one else cares, to stand with them with, when no one else will stand with them. God, I pray that we would begin to preach the gospel, be ready in season and out of season. Be ready inside the church and outside of the church. God, put an anointing upon our lives this morning to do that work, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we're available. Every pastor in this place just begin to say, I'm available inside and outside of the church to do what you've called me to do, to be who you've called me to be. In Jesus' name. call upon the teachers to stand.
We're a group of people who care about how the word is handled. We care that it is done right. But we don't just care to share it within the four walls of the church. It's been amazing as to how God has been using me where I am as a physician to instantly be ready to speak the right word, even to tear down strongholds with the truth. This is what we're called to do. And so, Father, I pray for the spirit of revelation to come upon your teachers, Lord God. Give them prophetic insight into the word, Lord God, for that makes it relevant, Lord God. Don't just let them be fully committed to the word, but let them, Lord God, be yoked to your Holy Spirit. Because the spirit and the word make for the two-edged sword, Lord God, to tear down the strongholds. But Father, none of this would happen without intimacy with Jesus. Teachers, it's in our private time when the revelation comes. Not just the rhema when we're teaching, but it comes in the private time. And Father, I pray for a deeper hunger for intimacy with Jesus. Father, I pray, Father, of your teachers that they would have a keener ear to hear the voice of the Spirit. For Father, if they don't know you, If they don't know Jesus, if they cannot know the heart of the Spirit, how can they speak about Him? But Father, it's not the Word that we want to know, Lord God. We want to use the Word to know who Jesus is. And when we know Him, Lord God, then we will speak clearly about Him. So Father, use your teachers to make clear what the covenant is all about. Use your teachers, Lord God. To make the promises clear to the body. Father, use your teachers to reveal your heart and to show the mind of Christ, Lord God. For Father, it's our calling not to feed yesterday's manna. It is our calling to feed the body of Christ the finest wheat of today. Relevant to make them strong in the promised land, Lord God. We are no longer wandering around in the desert. We are following Jesus in the promised land, Lord. And so, Father, I pray that anointing upon your teachers. Make us hungry for your presence. And let the revelation come in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you are here and you sense a prophetic stream, be it the the prophet or the seer, Every seer is a prophet, but not every prophet is a seer. Seers deal in the realm of dreams and visions on a regular basis. They receive downloads from heaven. And what they see, they speak out. What they see, they pray. If you have a burden for the Lord and for his people... And like Jeremiah, it compels you to speak what thus said the Lord. I want to invite you to stand. Whether you sense that you're called to that office or perhaps you believe you have the, the gift of prophecy according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Today in the name of Jesus, I call 
for your eyes to be open. The scripture says the seeing eye and the hearing ear, the Lord made both of them. We speak to eyes to be open in Jesus' name. We speak to ears to be open in the name of Jesus. And we decree that like the Lord calling Samuel, 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 we decree that you will hear the Lord call your voice. Even at night you will hear him and you will respond. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We break the spirit of Jonah off of lives today. Those who are reluctant to go and those who are reluctant to speak, but thus saith the Lord. We call you forth into the army of the Lord to be that pointer, to be that director, to carry the burden of the Lord in your bosom. We decree that today is a day of shifting where you come out of hiding and you come out of the caves and you stand before the lost and you stand before God's people and you convey his heart. May your hands be extended to serve. May your hands be extended to heal. May your hands be extended to care in Jesus' name. We decree that the, 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 the grace to confront sin is upon you. The grace to confront the enemy is upon you. And even supernatural strength will be your portion that when Ahab's chariots come after you, you will have the grace to outrun the horses. In Jesus' name, prophets in government, prophets in education, prophets in the marketplace. We decree that the Josephs are rising in this house. The Daniels are being recognized and elevated in this house. May you go. May you go with the heart of God. And may you go with his word in your heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings, blessings, brothers and sisters. Where my evangelist at? Where my evangelist at? Can you please stand up, evangelist? You know, the, the messages here over this past these past weeks have been powerful enough to make you uncomfortable, but powerful enough, excited enough to make you get out of your seat and probably do a backflip. Praise God. You know, how many, how many people in here live in the ghetto? Who's lived in the ghetto before? And I've lived in the ghetto all my life, unfortunately, but fortunately at the same time. It has given me the opportunity to be a blessing to a lot of people. And, uh, I was, in, I was in a conference a couple of years ago in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Rama. had the opportunity to meet uh, Kenneth Hagen, senior son. It's a, it's a conference that they do every year, winter, a winter Bible seminar college. People from all over the world come there. A lot of people have established churches at Rama. And so as I was meeting with a, a gentleman from California, he was evangelizing for a long time. I had an opportunity to sit down with him and learn some things about evangelism. What he shared with me was back in the day, probably had to have been the 70s, 80s, somewhere around there. He said that at a certain church that he was at, they would, they would give you a map. They would give you a sort of blueprint where they wanted you to go. He said that they would lay something out before you and say, the green parts is where you go. But all those places, all these areas circled in red, don't go there. Don't go to these places. And these were places like Compton, Watts, and so forth. So there was an agenda not to reach a certain group of people as he was coming up in certain churches. Nowadays, I believe that we don't even have to put it on paper now. We just don't go. 
A lot of us just don't go. It's been embedded into our soul, into our psyche. Let's just not go to that area because it's dangerous. Maybe because I'm scared. Maybe because they're not even worth reaching. Or maybe don't even, they don't even want God. You know, Jesus, we look at Matthew chapter 9. Jesus, it says that Jesus healed he, healed, he brought the young girl back to life. A young man was healed. Then it says he healed two blind men. And that getting close to the end of chapter 9 in the book of Matthew, it says that Jesus preached in all the cities, all the towns, healed their sick, brought the kingdom of God unto them. It says that he, he also had compassion on the people. We've seen that they were weary like sheep having no shepherd. And then in verse 37, it says that he looked at his disciples and said, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest that he may send laborers into his harvest. Praise God. You know, you know, I understand what it's like growing up shy. Some of you know my testimony. Growing up super shy in school, they tried to put me on medication, thought something was wrong with me. Lo and behold, I full of the Holy Ghost, and I almost go anywhere with God. You know, John G. Lake said, the, the triumph of the gospel is enough to make any man the wildest kind of enthusiastic optimist. And that's, that's what I've been getting even hearing some of these messages from Bishop Harvey lately. You know, and uh, I just want to give you one quick testimony of when I, was in a, when I was in a certain neighborhood a couple of years ago, I was, I, I call it a divine appointment. I seen a young man sitting on the stairs in between two buildings. And I just walked up to him. I said, young man, you're having problems with your job. You feel like giving up. Death is knocking on your door. You're on the brink of suicide. So he just reached up, grabbed my hand, prayed with me, received Jesus, and received an abundance of life in his spirit. That's what God is looking for. God is looking for people just being willing to go, willing to be bold. You know, I hear some people say, well, I share Jesus all the time on my job. I share Jesus with my family. Well, the Bible also tells us one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. We are so much stronger together, brothers and sisters. So I want to pray for you right now. Break up all fear. Uh, Bishop Harvey asked me to pray that evangelists will emerge. Emerge in the dictionary means to come out or take out and bring into view. So let's bring into the view that we have a community who needs us, brothers. We have a community who needs to be, have hands laid upon them that their sickness may be healed. Hands laid upon them that their depression may leave and that they may get off of that brink of suicide and get on the gospel of the kingdom. Dear Lord, I pray right now for the evangelists who have emerged right now out of, the, out of the, the midst, dear Lord, of any form of deception or even if it's just to go to another level. I pray right now for the evangelist, dear Lord, to not be afraid to go in certain areas, to lay hands on the sick diligently, fearlessly, to unite with other believers, dear Lord. I pray for evangelists in this place to be built up on your word, to have integrity, to love Jesus with all their heart, soul, and, and strength. Lord, I pray for the evangelists in this place to just love like you love, to look upon the people and have compassion on them. Jesus said he looked on the people and they were like sheep having no shepherd. We desire for people to enter the church homes to be disciple, but first we must go. First we must lay hands. First we must speak a word of prophecy, a word of knowledge, operate in the signs, wonders, and miracles. And I pray for these things to manifest swiftly and diligently. I pray for the Spirit of God and the Holy Ghost to rise up in you like never before. Say, Lord, use me. Take my life and use me like never before to go into these areas, these dark areas, and bring the light of the gospel. In Jesus' almighty name, amen. Hallelujah. We're almost done. I want everyone else to stand right now. I want everyone else to stand, and I want to pray a prayer because that scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 also says... 
after he gave first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, he gave miracles. Then he gave gifts of healings. And he gave gifts of helps. And some of you are probably wondering, you know, I don't feel that I'm apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor. Well, that gift of helps. The body couldn't do what it is called to do without those that have a grace for helps. And then some have a gift of administration. King James calls it government, but administration is just putting things in place. Sister Teresa Jones, you have a grace for, for government, for administration. But sometimes in some churches, what we do is we put administrators over fivefold. And then the church becomes all administrative. And then there's no healing, there's no miracles. And then there's various kinds of tongues. I want every one of you just lift your hands right now because we are all in the body of Christ. And Father, I thank you right now for the activation of this church in signs, wonders, and miracles. Lord, I thank you that you have anointed our hands. The spirit of the sovereign God is upon us. You've anointed our lips. And when we speak your word, you send forth your word and you healed your people. God, we thank you for gifts of healing being activated in this house. We thank you, Lord, for gift of helps that no one shall feel overwhelmed no one shall feel like they're carrying the burden all by themselves because, God, we are helpers one to another. I thank you right now for the activation of helps. I thank you right now for the MVPs in this house, Lord, for those who are serving in even hidden places, the parts of the body that we don't even exalt because we don't see. But, Lord, I thank you for the helps being released in this house and for the gifts of administration, Lord God the gifts over finance, the gifts over facilities, the gifts over human resources and over people and places and positions. Father, we thank you right now for the governmental administration in the body of Christ being released. And Lord God, you've desired for us to be a people who pray in the spirit and who have an interpretation of that which is prayed. Father, I thank you right now that our tongues are released to a new dimension of prayer. Thank you that we are a praying people, a praying church, and a church that is tuned into the frequency of heaven. And Lord, I pray right now for anyone that's in this house today that is not saved. I pray for anyone in this house today that's been disconnected from you. They previously were walking with you, but now they're disconnected. May they be reconnected. I pray for those, Lord, who have been looking for a church family and a church home. And I thank you, Lord, that today you're speaking, Holy Spirit, to draw their hearts. Heartline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.